Let's look at some of the ways that we get um, stuck uh, and where we lose that sense of moving with the transients of moment-to-moment experience. One of the ways we do it is around um, success and failure um, and around our, our sense of competency, competency around the things that we um, invest a lot of importance in to be competent around, whatever that might be. It varies from person to person. But we, we often get caught up in the, am I good enough, and trying too hard, or giving up, or getting into competing, you know, or comparing. Um, and all of that creates a kind of stuckness in our life. One of the other ways we get um, stuck, particularly stuck, is around um, uh, relationships and attachment, healthy and unhealthy attachment in, in relationships. You can see this borne out in the way um, uh, people say hello and say goodbye, like the beginnings of connections and the ending of connections. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether there's a kind of a over, over kind of holding, you know, in the connections, you know, or rejection in those immediate connections and how they end. Um, some people uh, who find it hard to let go uh, have these kind of stop, start, stop, start goodbyes all the time. About to go and then they come back, about to go and come back. And then you get people who are very abrupt in the way they say goodbye. And in some ways this has been turned into a kind of a distorted Zen ideal. Um, Zen monks in Japan you'll find often have this um, abrupt way of ending a conversation or saying goodbye and they just kind of walk off and never never look back again. And I noticed when I was in the um, involved in the Sydney Zen Centre years ago, there were certain people who uh, tended to do a version of that as well, setting it up as some kind of Zen ideal. Um, they would end a conversation, it was like a competition to end a conversation before someone else. Very abrupt in their kind of goodbyes and so on. It's kind of like trying to live up to an ideal of non-attachment. But it's not it. Not it at all. Because it's actually got rejection in it. But where they're co- what they're trying to copy, but it's a poor copy of, is that apparently the Buddha... Um, when he, um, you know, had been addressing a large gathering of people, you know, in the country somewhere under the trees, um, before he left and went on his next journey, he would stand there for minutes and he would just take it all in, taking all the people in this moment here that we're all together. It's never going to come again. Holding it there in kind of a loving presence. And then he went, it was called his elephant, elephant stare. You know, take it all in very quietly. And then he would just slowly turn and walk off and he wouldn't look back. It's like this moment's gone now. But that's, that's very different from this kind of abrupt rejection. It's kind of a taking it all in in a, a very loving kind of way. We're never going to meet like this again. Mm-hmm. And then letting it go.
So holding and rejecting um, are the two kind of forces or the two sort of dynamics which are the spanner in the works or the flying the ointment that get in the way of our life being lived in a free kind of way, like a spinning wheel. So it creates a stuckness. Um, in relationships, it plays it out. It plays itself out um, in more intimate kind of ways, like in sexual relationships. A kind of a um, holding and rejecting kind of pattern can develop between partners as well, which leaves no one really, really satisfied. And the more that holding and rejection can diminish, you know, then often even things even themselves out in some kind of way. Also, looking at um, just another area of our life, which is just the day-to-day getting by in life area. It's not necessarily to do with competency and it's not necessarily to do with relationships, but it's just shopping, driving a car, filling it up with petrol, putting the shopping bag, trying to get the door open that won't open, forgetting something that was important. All those kind of little things that make up everyday life, the gate that won't open properly, you know, or the, the, um, the bathroom tap that leaks. Um, it's just life as it is. And it's very important as a Zen practitioner to, to be aware of how you're reacting to all these little everyday things in your life. Because they just are the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just life as it is. Not everything works to our satisfaction all the time. And uh, the degree to that we get frustrated around those things, you know, or get angry about them, um, is an indication of also how stuck we are. We just expect life to meet our requirements all the time. And it just doesn't do it. <coughs> so, <coughs> the degree to which we can just see these things and um, we can either, ex- either change it or we can't change whatever, but the degree that we add frustration upon these kind of little issues that come up in life is indicative too of how we're not spinning freely with the transience of life. We're getting stuck in some kind of way. <clears throat> of course, too, in Zen um, has been traditionally, um, particularly in Japan, associated with various kind of arts and crafts like tea ceremony and pottery and even in the martial arts like swordsmanship and so on. And um, one of the great book titles of a Zen book which was written by, I can't remember his Japanese name, but he was a 16th or 17th century Zen teacher. Um, The title of the book is called The Unfettered Mind. And it's a good book to read to go back to which is really focusing on the importance is this kind of um, unrestricted spontaneity in experiencing life. And one of the good things about 
practicing an art, whether it's a musical instrument or it's pottery or something like that, is that um, it's a way of, it's kind of like an extension of Zen practice because it teaches you about relaxing and letting go into getting a certain kind of outcome. Mm -hmm. Uh, The mind has to remain present and focused and yet relaxed at the same time. And when it's not, you see your mistakes. But the same applies to just being um, a human being, you know, and being a Zen practitioner. Um, the, I remember Robert Aitken said once in a Dharma talk, there was this famous musician, I think a violinist, and he said, if, if I don't practice every day, um, I know the difference. Something not, not quite there. And if I don't practice for a week, then my colleagues start to notice a bit of a difference. And if I don't practice at all, everyone knows. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's important that, um, you know, when you play a musical instrument or you do pottery or something, like that, it's sort of obvious where the mistake comes, you know, when you're stuck. But the more you mature in practice, the more you can discern in yourself and also you can discern in others where they're stuck. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be stuck, but if you're going to be stuck, just practice the virtue of stuckness rather than spinning your wheels. There is a saying that I know that all of you are familiar with, but it's worth reminding you of again. It doesn't come from Zen, but from Christianity. Um, about um, accepting the things that we can't change and changing the things that we can change. And wisdom is knowing the difference between the two. There's a, there's a lot of wisdom in that statement, um, which really goes to the heart of what I'm wanting to talk about today and we'll touch on during the session. But other things are as they are and you can't do anything about it. But if you do change it, or you can change it, then what's important is that the manner in which you go about that change uh, is done as much as possible in a non-frustrated, non-angry, non-grasping manner. For example, I have um, um, an issue with a hospital which um, never pays my accounts on time. And I have to chase it up over and over and again until they until they pay me, which they eventually do in the end. But um, if I do it in a frustrated kind of way, that kind of doesn't feel consistent with Zen practice. If I don't do it at all, well, that's just silly. Mm-hmm. But it's the manner in which these things are done, you know, are very important. Holding and rejecting is the nature of stuckness. And the way that sometimes what our strategies are to try and deal with holding and rejecting is that on the one hand we can become um, somewhere on the scale of being a control freak. We think that we can can just control our life, you know, or control other people just to make it the way, way we want. And sometimes it works for a while so we keep on doing it. 
um, but it doesn't work forever. It causes a lot of, a lot of suffering for ourselves and other people. And the other way, one of our strategies we have too for dealing with holding and rejecting is to deny what it is we need. Deny feelings, deny needs, so on, oh, it doesn't matter. Just sort of adapt to anything. And that's just a strategy as well. And it doesn't usually recreate, create any, any particular healthy outcome as well. So we need to be aware of the two sides that we can fall into. Not just over-adapting, you know, going with the flow in that cliched kind of sense, or being a control freak. Mm-hmm. Zen practice is doing neither. Um, the nature of Zen practice is non-holding, non-rejecting presence, unconditional presence. So as we go through this session, let's um, work with that in mind. You know, in just in our everyday interactions with each other and the things that we do, different tasks that we do, and also in the way that we relate to ourselves. You know, as we sit, you know, we see the transience of thoughts coming and going, feelings coming and going, like the weather patterns of the mind coming and going, hot, cold, dry, wet, coming and going, body sensations. Um, just let them come and go. Sometimes they're pleasant, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're neutral. Don't hold them, don't reject them. We can relate to our own experience, our own inner experience like that, and we can relate to our outer experience in the same way. Mm 